Hello. Hello. Welcome to Creepy Cuties. My name is Rogue. And I'm Kitty. This podcast is for us to explore the story behind the stories, where the spooky and the strange come from. Curiosity may have killed the cat, but satisfaction can bring it back. Oh, as I almost dropped on cheese. (laughs) No, No dying by cheese. I need my baking buddy on Saturday. It would be an honorable death. (laughs) oh so i forgot it doesn't matter who goes first because aren't we doing the back and forth Mm -hmm. that's why i figured whoever wants to start all right well uh i can open it up with la befana Alrighty. she is based in italy her oh i guess we should probably introduce what we're doing this week Oh, yeah, that, that's probably a good idea. That would make more sense. Also, a disclaimer. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm going to butcher some words. Not only that, uh, this is a warning for little ears in the event you don't want any little ears hearing anything oh, yeah, about true. holiday traditions. Yes, yes. True, Just true. don't don't listen to this out loud. Put your headphones on. Keep your children away. Wait for the if nap If you time. are under the age of, like, I don't know, 12, you should, probably shouldn't be on this app. Bye-bye. The storytelling part's fine. True. <laughs> just, sometimes. Just sometimes. Skip ahead. <laughs> I've done multiple times where things were not the prettiest, but uh, you yeah, know, there's going to be a big disclaimer for anyone who comes for us from other countries. I am pulling information off the internet, and not always it does not always give me pronunciations. So I have no idea how to say some of these words. <laughs> no, no, I think I have a couple as well. Um mostly later on like the german ones the german ones get me every time yes they got so many extra letters german sweden norway like all those all those countries they're just like here's a word that's super long but it's probably not pronounced the way you think it is it's like okay cool anyway what we're gonna do this week is we're gonna explore some holiday creatures did you want to say anything my brain shut off. <laughs> so, yeah, holiday <laughs> creatures. And I should do like a commentary. And then there's like mm. my like I I feel like I'm back in high school with this sometimes where it comes to public speaking and I've got my little notebook and I'm standing in front of the class and I don't remember anything that I've researched because I obviously did not prepare properly at all ever. And so I'd just be standing there like like, I remember I ran for president, I think, in middle school. Yeah. I gave a speech to the class because I, I ran for that. president. I don't remember that. I, I don't either. I couldn't <laughs> tell you a single thing that I said during that speech. I, I just, re- like, I just remembered that I did that because the, the I whole think time I, found, I don't think I, I found looked up ways. Once. I found ways out of some of those times where you had to present things. Where if I was working in a group, I'd make the other person talk for most of it. And I just, like, put Absolutely. little tidbits in. Or I think there was one time they were doing presentations and I think I got a sore throat or something. So I had no voice. Mm-hmm. And they're like, just hand it in and we'll we'll grade it off of whatever you got. And I was like, I got it. <laughs> I think I got a B. I'll take a B over talking in public. 
I know, public speaking is not my favorite. But yes, we're going to go uh, kind of like a one-to-one on holiday creatures and not a lot, but at least a little bit about their backgrounds. And then in, mm-hmm. I think, a later episode, we're going to take a deeper dive into one or two of these creatures. I should have thought about that. I only planned for one, but I know there's one that uh, I could probably do a longer episode on in the future. Well, technically, it would be more like three because they're like a combo deal. A, a four, actually. It's a combo deal. I found out through this research. I was like, oh, crap. Yeah, uh, the I have way more about elves than I thought I would. So I might, I might go into... Well, elves have so many different things because you got the Christmas version of elves. You got the Lord of the Rings style kind of elves. Mm-hmm. D&D kind of style elves. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's probably uh, other thing. Got the Keebler elf. Many variety of elves. Alright, Labifana. Her history goes along with the Feast of Epiphany. This is uh, celebrated in Italy January 6th. Or it's the night, so it's technically the 5th into the 6th. They celebrate Epiphany across Italy uh, with public offices closed. This holiday also marks the end of the Christmas season. So there actually is an official end to take down your decorations, and it's the 6th. Yes, there is. You didn't um, know that? No, I just kind of, whenever oh. the tree started dying, you take it out. <laughs> nah, I knew about the, the Day of Epiphany, because dang church. Oh, uh, fair. Yeah, no, I didn't have a... Uh, Christianity I didn't, didn't have the Epiphany Day. Uh, my CCD taught that, but they were also, I think, going off of, uh, the 12 Days of Christmas, because there's actually a 12 Days of Christmas thing. Yeah, that was something that I got, uh, a little confused about, was the, how all the days lined up. At some point, I'll have to look up the calendar and actually, There's, uh, from what I've read in a couple of my things, there's a couple different versions, depending on if you're going off the 12 Days of Christmas the 12 days of Yule, or depending on what calendar you're looking at, because there's two kinds of calendars. Before the the calendar we use in today's day and age, Mm -hmm. there was another calendar where things like the solstice didn't fall on the days that they fall that now. It may technically be the same time, but the way the calendars worked out, they were considered different dates. That would make sense as to why I got so terribly confused. Yes. I awesome. got confused on a few of them, and there's a few that, like, they'll say certain things, like, they'll relate things to Yule, but then they're saying Christmas as, like, the date, and I was like, but if it's Yule, it's not Christmas, because Yule is not Christmas, and Christmas is not Yule. Right. Even though Christmas stole everything from Yule. There's a lot of just mismatchy, she said, he took this. January 6th. They celebrate Epiphany across Italy. With public offices closed, this holiday also marks the end of the Christmas season. The tradition of the feast is based on when the three wise men arrived in Bethlehem bearing gifts for the baby Jesus on the twelfth day of Christmas. However, in popular fairy tale versions, the story goes that the wise men invited a witch-like woman, or a strega, to join them to bring gifts. She initially refused due to being too busy with housework, but then tried to follow them. Unable to find the baby Jesus, the kind-hearted Befana gave the toys to other children. 
Italian children adore adore La Befana. They hang up their stockings in anticipation of gifts on the night between January 5th and 6th. They're placed by the windows or over fireplaces with a glass of wine or treats for La Befana, which she's definitely got it down because milk and cookies. Nah, give me wine and sweets. I mean, cookies are sweets, but... Hmm, that's interesting. Mainly because, okay, the wise men invited her. Mm-hmm. But Jesus was, wasn't he supposed to be in the Middle East? Isn't Bethlehem considered, like, somewhere out there? So Probably she why she a, got lost and brought presents to Italy. Say, that's why it took her from <laughs> December 25th to January 6th to get there, I think. Well, I think uh, the wise men didn't go right away. I think they came after he was born. Because the news I, had to travel. That. Well, I was yeah. trying to make sense of it earlier. Because I'm like, why the hell did it take him 12 days to get there? But then it would make sense if the news of his birth traveled and then they left. I'm trying to remember CCD and I can't. I thought it was supposed Couldn't to be like, oh, it. here's a the North Star or whatever. It was just like, here's a prophecy. The Savior's being born today, blah, blah, blah. And they're just like, let's go. Oh, I didn't know... It could have been a prophecy, or it could have just been actual news that he was born. And then they followed Mm. the North Star to find him. Yeah, I don't even remember. I'm not going to pretend like I remember CCD. It's been a while. Couldn't tell you. That's that's a deep dive for another day. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I stopped paying attention during that in in the beginning. I started reading manga. (laughs) I got in trouble a few times. Like, you can't be reading here. And I was like, I'm here, aren't I? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's the point i definitely got in trouble for trying to bring in my uh harry potter books to church i never brought them no wait correction i brought a game boy to church <laughs> <laughs> after leaving her gifts the soot covered old hag swept up swept off swept up i can't even read my own notes uh she would sweep up the typed. house well no these are written oh no I had to today. to satiate her one-year-old toddler tendencies, because I have a toddler now. Oh, um, no. I had to sit on the couch with her. Uh, so I was off the iPad and my notebook today. Okay. Otherwise, I probably would have had my notes done a lot sooner. But, oh, well. C'est la vie. But basically what this is saying is that after she would leave presents, uh, her womanly duties would kick in and she would sweep up the house before hopping on her broomstick and flying off to the next house. What? Well, she was a witch. Alrighty. So she would sweep up the house and then hop on the broomstick and fly to the next house. Alright, I'm done. Okay. Housekeeping. <laughs> Housekeeping like mint for pillow. Uh, her origins have possibly found roots out of the ancient pagan rituals or descended from Sabine, a Roman goddess named Strania. La Befana is most associated with Rome and central it- Italy, but the custom spread to the rest of the country during the 20th century, similar to the German Frau Berkta and the Russian Babushka. Babushka! Babushka! <laughs> I just think of uh, Ray. 
<laughs> from all the Among Us videos. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a little bit the on, one. Uh, the one name sounded familiar. Why? Wait, what was that one name you said before Babushka? Frau Berkta? Or um, the goddess. Bercha? No. Or Percha? Frau Berkta. I have someone. I have some. Yeah, I have Frau Percha's uh, The Terrifying Christmas Witch. Yeah, she's the German. Yeah, I, yeah. she's one of mine. So I'll do her next instead of, instead of my other one. So then we can talk about. I have it as Frau Percha. Percha? I did not look up how to say it. I'm just guessing. So, Frau Percha, the terrifying Christmas witch, is a staple in the Alpine folklore, which is native kind of to like southern Germany, Austria, and as well as Switzerland. She's associated. She is associated with the Feast of the Epiphany on January 6th, much like... What was her name again? Uh, Befana. Befana. That's like Befana. Uh, she's said to be both the evil hag who kills lazy women and children, as well as a beautiful woman who protects babies, children, and uh, women. I don't I know why she's both. on the day of the week. <laughs> yes. Uh, this is uh, maybe because many of the origins have tied her to the pagan goddess Bertha or Bertha. The lady in white is considered the alpine cousin to Frega. She's associated with birch trees and watching over the wildlife of the forest. It was her duty to care for children who died in infancy. And it was said that she lived somewhere between safety and danger, life and death. She was a goddess of time between the year. Due, um, due to this, she was depicted as an old crone, and she was said to wander the countryside. She would be a part of the wild hunt, which uh, the wild hunt I talked about in another one, so we'll get to that later. No, yeah, that's um, a whole episode on its own. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, we could definitely do I mentioned it again, though, and I think I explained what it is in another one. Um, the wild hunt, she was known for causing a rumble in the mountains for her followers, and she would uphold cu- cultural taboos. Meaning she didn't tolerate laziness. She wanted to make sure you did what you were supposed to do. Uh, she would check to the young women if to make sure they were spinning, doing their spinnings. So, the, like chores or stuff. housework and yeah. stuff. The spinning, and she would make sure that everyone had prepared for the feasts. So there was a feast on the day of the Epiphany. So maybe she wanted to make sure everyone was good and ready for the sixth. Mm-hmm. A part of how she became an evil figure, she was known. Today, uh, as Bircha, who was known to protect children who died young. So she may be considered evil mainly because she was tied to infancy death. So maybe that's why, like, she would pe- she would um, have a tail spun where she would capture and eat children, stealing them away in her sack. I don't know if that's exactly it, because it didn't really say why she became evil. But I think it's maybe a tie into that because she was associated with children dying. Yeah, it so sounds like um, her being stealing them away. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. modern religion got a hit their hands on it, and they're like, "That's bad." When realistically, yeah. she was more of a fairyman than a an evil witch stealing children. Basically, she was also considered the belly slicer because um, a way that she would punish the lazy, like if your home wasn't clean or your chores weren't done, she would slice your belly open and stuff it full of straw and stone. The church basically turned her into a female version of Krampus, which we'll get to Krampus later. Well, not really. Kind of, sort of. You'll see. Don't worry. But nowadays, Percha is honored with ceremonies where people will still dress as the spirit in robes and masks. And many tourists will come by for, in the present day, like in modern days, 
and they will go to see the Fraportska. Mainly just make sure you keep your holdings clean or she's gonna come cut you. The um the Yule goat is also similar to that where the <laughs> the goat shows up to make sure you're done your Christmas preparations. Oh don't worry, I got one like that too. <laughs> no, I think these all like bounce off each other through the centuries. I think so, because a lot of them had similar names and similar uh, meanings. Sometimes they got an evil rap, sometimes they got a, well, we're just punishing you for being bad. And sometimes they got both, depending on what century in history you were. True, that is very true. So who's next on your tray? Uh, We'll pop into Santa Lucia real quick. I don't know that one. She is another witch. Uh, Oh no, I'm sorry, she's just a woman. Between the night of the 12th to the 13th in December, a blind woman named Santa Lucia, who is walking around towns, Jesus, I cannot read my own handwriting, walking around towns and rings a bell, brings sweets and presents to the children living in the northern parts of Italy. So I found her when I was looking up La Befana, Mm -hmm. and I found that... um, Different sections of Italy had different lore about different people. So she was one of the other saintly figures. What did you say her name was? Santa Lucia. Oh, I think I have one just like it, except uh, the way I pronounced it on mine was Saint Lucia. Oh, probably the same. Different country, though. So different pronunciation, I think. Because the one that... I'll go into that one next, the evil version of her. Okay. But yeah, I didn't go too far into her because she was just kind of a bonus... All right, so then we have Lucy, which Lucy, uh, I saw a lot of mixed information, but in Norway and Sweden on the 13th of December, which is to St. Lucia's Day, the saint who was represented by a young woman in a white sash, young women in Norway and Sweden were known to dress uh, dress as a maiden wearing candlelit wreaths. That terrifies me because all I can think of is my hair going on fire. Because they were candles. They weren't just, like, lights. They were candles. Yeah, they were fire. actually on fire. No. Not near my hair. <laughs> Not uh, but much too flammable. <laughs> yes. Um, but it would honor the St. Lucia, who was a 4th century Sicilian girl who became a Christian martyr. In the seven, uh, 1700s, the first... You know what? I don't know. I didn't actually look into her to see what the heck happened to her. <laughs> But um, in the 1700s, the festival emerged, which was more for the upper class, so it was more of like a high-class party kind of thing, um, in Sweden. And it also became popular in Norway around the time of the Second World War because it was used as a movement to bring light to the time of darkness when Norway was accompanied by the uh, Germans. But we're not really here to talk about St. Lucia. We're really here to talk about Lucy. The tale of Lucy predates christianity so i don't know where the saints come in here but it's not there she actually comes from the age of the vikings in medieval scandinavia the royal folk folk would speak of lucy saying that she um would share her day with december 13th which due to the old calendar was the winter solstice so before i was saying there's like two different calendars Prior right. to the calendar we use in today, the solstice was on the 13th, which is also why I think a lot of dates get a little iffy, because they when they change the calendar, they probably just tried adjusting things. Well, and I think also with um, 
certain religions conquering um, different areas, they absorbed yeah. a lot of holidays, too. Because I remember we talked about that two episodes. I think it was episode two about they absorbed um, Halloween. That That is true. Most of the stuff always predates back to when pagans were mainly in charge. And then other religions would come in and be like, hey, that's cool. And they would make their own holiday. Yeah. Or they were trying to coax the pagans and everybody into, into there. Like, so they're like, hey, we've brought some of your traditions with us. Basically. We have candy. Anyway, so the 13th was related to Lucy. Lucy would go through town inspecting houses to make sure they were ready for the Yule celebrations. People would stay inside and be merry, but those who ventured out would be, uh, were believed to be prey to Lucy on her terrifying group of creatures, which ranged from trolls to undead spirits. Uh, people said they would stay up all nights, uh, protecting their homes, their farms from the darkness of night. They would hang axes, knives, and scissors over the doors for protection, which I've heard of that before. I forget what culture or what um what custom i got that from but i know like i've met people who keep scissors above or next to their door for protection that sounds like a fall hazard i next to cool i, I could do that no all it's day, uh like you like... nail it to the wall so you nail like a, an open pair of scissors if i remember you you nail or like hang on a hook an open pair of scissors facing the door huh. my I, my nanny had a pair of scissors that were always next to the door and they never fell huh that but the thing was also the, screwed into a beam. The horseshoe thing. Yeah. Which or witches bells. That was a pirate's thing. You also got witches bells. Things with the doors always need to be done to be protected. Mm-hmm. But um, to protect your threshold. Was, yes. It was said that Lucy was also known to terrify children. If children would misbehave, it was said that she would snatch them away. Children would write Lucy on their doors, fences, and walls. Light fires to keep the darkness away and celebrate the changing of the sun's course. So the solstice is when the days get longer. So I was, I guess, a way of like celebrating, but also protecting yourself against this folklore evil spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, but many of the folklores ended up dying out in the twentieth century. But do there are some people in the remote parts of Norway that do still celebrate, but for the most part, it doesn't seem to be a very popular holiday nowadays. Uh, another version I did read about, though, was a Norse version, which labeled her as a Nordic sorceress who led the Oscaria, which I looked that up, and that was the Wild Hunt, which is a folklore motif that occurred in the folklore for Northern Europe cultures. The Wild Hunt involved a chase led by mythical figures escorted by a ghostly or supernatural group of hunters engaged in pursuit. And if that sounds wrong, blame Wikipedia because I just pulled the definition from Wikipedia since I didn't know what it was. Yeah, there's probably a, be a future episode. There's a couple different versions of the Wild Hunt. Yeah. Well, I know, like, um, from like a witchy standpoint, the solstices. There's like the whole the battle between like the um. Oh no, I forgot. The Oak King and the Stag King, I think? I believe you. I know one of them has to do with the Fae, and then another one has to do with Thor? Something like that. I I just remember this was years ago back in high school when we were getting into the stuff, and it was uh, the solstices happened because there's a battle between the two, 
And on the winter solstice, I think the Oak Kang wins, which brings the warm and the sun and everything. And then the summer solstice, the Stag Kang wins, which is why the night the days get shorter and the cold comes in winter, blah, blah, blah. So That makes sense. I want to learn Unless a I'm lot reversing more. the two. I, I need to re... I need to relearn this stuff. I would love We're to. We're the wise. Women don't date assholes. Lucy was known to travel with her band of wandering elves, fairies, and nymphs that would cause trouble during the hunt. She was a big nuisance, basically. Uh, but December 13th was called Lucinata or Lucy Night, which was a time of honor and fear. Lucy, while she was out on the hunt, it would say that any human she encountered would be sent to the underworld. And she would pull people, um, people's spirits from their sleep. <laughs> During the long night uh, between Lucinata and Yule, trolls, demons, and spirits were known to wander around enjoying the darkness. Many on Lucy night, naughty, uh, naughty children were hidden away because the legend said that Lucy would come and abduct those children who were beha- misbehaved. It was also said she would go after adults who slacked on their chores and did not have things ready for Yule. The 21st century, though, um, the day basically brings a reason to party till dawn. But yeah, no. A lot of, I'm noticing a trend in a lot of these things is do your chores or something bad's gonna happen. You know, there's a lot of uh, made up lore about this thing's gonna steal you. Basically. And these are actually, so a lot of these seem to be aimed towards adults. Normally people make up the boogeyman for children, but these are like, nah, you didn't clean the house and get the food ready? We're gonna get ya. <laughs> make sure your kids behave too, though. But yeah, nah, that's the Lucy I know. I also did see something online, though, that was the um, the fight of two Lucys. I didn't go too deep into that because it, that was a lot of information. I didn't want to go too long with it. But right. I think it's supposed to be Lucia versus Lucy. Oh, okay. In a way. So I don't know why they're versing each other since I thought Lucia is supposed to be a maiden and like virtuous. Not not kind of War into maiden. the fight. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Maybe another day. Yeah, this is a nice little uh, appetizer to a bunch of different stories. Yeah. One of which. Maybe by next year. Maybe. Well, that was the other thing that I was thinking about when I was looking into most of this stuff was that I didn't want to go too far, like, detailed, detailed, especially because we're going to have many holiday seasons in the future. So I didn't want to, like, yeah. slam it all down right now. Yeah. So if you guys like any of these stories and want to know more, let us know. And maybe next year we can, uh, well, maybe when we're on a more salad schedule, we'll be able to do more. Yeah. So we stick to bi-weekly. Potentially. It depends on uh, how much time we get for research and stuff. Because pumping out episodes sucks. <laughs> I definitely liked yeah. actually being able to like sit and read. True. And especially for the bigger ones, too. Because those actually... Like, the whole pirate episode... I, like, want to sit down with actual books and find information. I know. We got to go to the library, I think. Yes. We definitely need a library trip. I think my library card uh, got turned off or something, though. I can't use my app, so I'm going to go have to bring my card and be like, hey, I'm still here. We we, we still want to use these. Just, like, tink, tink, tink outside the building. Like, tink, 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 tink. Like, I know I haven't been around in a while, but playing COVID. <laughs> 
We want to be actually at the start of COVID. I had a book that got um like before it shut down. I had a book that was going there for me to read. Mm-hmm. And then after they opened back up, it's like, hey, your book's here. And I was like, mm, no, thank you. I don't want to touch. Thank you. No, Jeremy's, please. <laughs> I will stay home and read what I have at home. A fun little story that I actually remembered about when I was looking up La Befana was the song Dominic the Donkey. And I was curious to see if that was an actual like folklore thing or if it was just like a, a cute song. It's kind of both. So Dominic the Donkey was a Christmas song written by Richard Allen, Sam Salzberg, and there's a little confusion. I found uh, two different people. Wandra Merrill is the last person and then sung by Louis Monty, but also written by Louis Monty. I don't know. Those were the four people involved in it. Um, But Louis Monty sung it in 1960. He was an Italian-American singer best known for singing Italian novelty records in the late 50s and early 60s. The song describes a donkey who helps Santa bring presents to the kids in Italy due to the reindeer being unable to climb the hills. Apparently not everyone believes that reindeer can fly. Understandable. I haven't seen one fly. But yeah, so there's that. Uh, oh, the... That's the I just a side note about donkeys for Saint Lucia, Santa mm-hmm. Santa Lucia. Um, she would show up on her donkey, and the kids must leave a cup of tea for the saint and a plate of flour for the donkey. Flour? Yep. There no donkeys just ate straight up flour. I guess so. <laughs> I don't. I didn't think flour had any nutritional value. It's wheat. It's just ground up wheat. Oh, well, that would make sense. Like, I can understand them eating the the plant, but ground up flour is just like, bleh. Well, I feel like most people don't have wheat just chilling in their house, but most people do have flour. Maybe. So that's probably why they were like, yeah, just leave out some flour. Uh, speaking of four-legged animals, we have the Yule goat, which actually cracked me up towards the end. So, the Yule Goat. A popular theory is that the celebration of the goat is connected to the worship of the Norse god Thor. Which is probably why I wrote down the notes about uh, goats being sacrificed in honor of the Norse god Njord, or Saturn. uh, The god of agricultural, agricultural and plentitude. Other traditions are possibly related to the sheaf of corn called the Yule Goat. In Sweden, people regarded the Yule Goat as an invisible spirit that would appear sometime before Christmas to make sure that your Yule preparations were done right. Uh, Objects were made out of straw or roughly hewn wood could also be called the Yule Goat. The function of the Yule Goat varies. Scandinavian customs similar to English wassailing which I think is close to caroling, um, mm-hmm. but more performative, were mm-hmm. held at either Christmas or Epiphany. They would often bring along a Yule goat, a rowdy and sometimes scary creature demanding gifts. During the 19th century, the goat shifted to more of a gift bringer with one of the men in the family dressing up as the Yule goat. This is similar to the Santa Claus tradition. 
And I just, I couldn't help but crack up at the thought of somebody running around in a full-size goat costume. (laughs) Um, The goat was later replaced by, and these are words I did not look up, so please forgive me, uh, Yultum, the Father Christmas and Santa Claus, or Father Christmas or Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. And then Yulnis during the second half of the 19th century and early 20th century, although he is still called... I think one of the ones I was going to research, but I ended up not because it really had nothing to do with Christmas, uh, but it had to do with wassailing. There's a... I forget which country they put, like, a horse skull on a stick with a rag, and they go around, like, with that singing at people. Like, they'll sit at the door singing and singing until they let... um, with the person... And like a rap battle kind of thing until the person lets them in the drink. Perfect. And I was like, okay. I'm like, this has nothing to do with a creature. It's literally just people dressing, uh, using a skull on a stick. You know, that sounds like the the initial Yule goat was just basically, I'm going to bring this goat and he's going to harass you about giving yes. us uh, I think it was like Mary Lude or something. Yelapakai. Sure. That is that is the other name I was trying to pronounce. Okay. Uh, so nowadays, the Yule goat is basically a Christmas ornament, a decorative goat made of straw and bound with red ribbon. There are also larger versions of the ornament are frequently erected in towns and cities around Christmas time. A tradition started with a gavel goat in 1960s, and some of these I've are seen that. Absolutely massive. Yes, I've seen that. I also now want to get a little Yule goat for the tree this year. Cute. There's so many things I want to do now just from doing all the different researches into like actual pagan history. I just want my twinkly lights outside to be on. That too. I can't wait for the lights. We, I gotta we swap out them my boxes. They put them up. They're up. Huh. But they're not on. Why? I don't know. My dad doesn't turn them on yet. I don't know why. I just want my twinkly lights. It's the only part I like about this time of year. Aww. The Calicanceros. Stop pronouncing it. It sounds funny. Um, <laughs> Calicanceros. Which I'll do quick on them and then get into my other group of creatures. Which I'm going to have to do a full episode on them anyway because... All the creatures. This... I didn't know they were a family, for one thing, and I was like, oh, geez, okay. That sounds like Yeah, the the Calicantro, which I feel like we've heard of or seen in TV shows. Uh, They're a group of demons or Christmas goblins in Greece that were um, known to, they spend the year sawing through the Tree of Life, and then at Christmas time, they will come out. So they'll see, like, a little peak of light, and they'll be like, oh, we reached the top. And then they'll go through and come out, and from December 12th, no, sorry, from December 25th to January 6th for the 12 days of Christmas, they would go out and cause havoc until they were basically, they finish up and they go back down to find that the tree had regrown, and then they have to start all over again with the sawing because it takes them a whole damn year to saw oh, that no. through the tree, apparently. But this is a tale of from creature. This is a tale of creatures that comes from Greece, 
Bulgaria, Turkey, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, and Cyprus. So there's probably different variations. There's probably also variations where they come out for the solstice, which is the uh, 21st. Okay. Um, but that it's a nice that. little cornucopia. Yeah, so they come up. They see the sun. They're just like, ooh, lights. So they come up, but they don't like light, keep in mind. Oh, so I they come, come out? They come out, and they come out and, like, go havoc on uh, during the night, and then they go uh. hide during the day. So it's like, okay, cool. Uh, but they'll go around and cause havoc, but they are no ways that the people would protect their homes is they would leave a colander at the doorsteps of their house because um, the Calacanceros could not count above the letter, or not the letter, <laughs> <laughs> they will not count above the number two. Because three was believed to be a holy number and they could not say the word without killing themselves. They would, I don't know what the number are, what three is in uh, those other languages that it's been considered a holy number because I don't think there's anything holy about the number three. Well, it's like the the Father, Son, and Lord thing. Yeah. Yeah. It could be that. But um, they can't say three without killing themselves. (laughs) So they would just sit there and count the holes one, two, one, two, one, two. All night until they were just like, nope, can't do this anymore. Oh, and then no. the dawn would force them into hiding. Or people would take uh, locomites, which was a donut-filled dessert, or no, a donut-like dessert filled with syrup and sausages, and they would throw it on the roof and sing songs. And then the creatures would come eat their fill before returning to the underworld to be very disappointed when they found their tree had healed itself. Aww. Well, at least they get a little but, uh, snack sometimes. Yeah. But a way the people could also deter them from coming in your home was to burn a fire or your Yule log for 12 days, which is also why I think maybe the dates are a little funky because you don't burn a Yule log for Christmas. You burn it for Yule. Right. Uh, but there's also apparently a cupper, cup, cupper. Kepper? A couple of uh, pop culture references with them. So there was an episode of Grimm. The Grim Who Stole Christmas, which features them. A novel by Roger Zelensky called This Immortal. And then in the Greek translation of Harry Potter, the Gringot Goblins were also referred to as Calicanzoros. So I was like, oh, interesting. I'm like, but I don't think that's correct. Because I don't think they're the same creatures as the goblins. Well, they were a type but, of goblin. True. But there was also a little bit of racism, I think, in Harry Potter with that one. Because they tried to reference them towards Jewish people. Because of the money thing. And I was like, oh, I saw Harry Potter in a different light. Yeah, no, that's When I saw good. that. But anyway, now, cause since you have a long one next, I'm going to go into my long part, which is basically a family. So we're going to start out with the Yule Cat which is an Icelandic legend of a giant cat who will stalk people who do not receive new clothes for Christmas. The local legend comes from a folklore of a large furry cat in the need of warm clothes. Most people, mainly children, who normally hated getting clothes for the holiday probably changed their mind when they heard the tale of the Jala Konturin or the Yule Cat. 
Uh, it is said that even if you just got a pair of socks, you were good. But the Yule cat was said to have eaten anyone who did not receive new clothes by Christmas. This dates back to the Dark Ages, some old versions dating back to the 19th century, um, such as with Krampus and Yule. The cat was an enforcer of good behavior. According to Icelandic traditions, anyone who finished their chores by Christmas would receive new clothes as a reward, meaning lazy children who didn't get all their work done would face the wrath of the Yule cat. The large cat was larger than a house and would prowl the Iceland would prowl Iceland on Christmas night, looking into the window to see what children received as a gift. And if children were too lazy to earn their new socks, then the cat would come and eat them for dinner. Uh, this was seemed like a message to um, from probably parents to kids to get them to do their chores and just to ex- be grateful to accept your clothes but it was also a mess because they kept getting them socks and they kept crying about it probably but it's also another uh another lesson to those who were more prosperous in life and had more to give uh that if they finished their stuff and they saw someone who did finish their chores to gift them clothes to put themselves in good light Dobby has given master a sock No, no, Dobby, no, no. Did you hear about uh, Dobby's gravesite? I feel like I heard something about it, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, I forget what country it's in. I can't remember off the top of my head. But apparently, the the government of that country was just like, "Hey, tourists, stop bringing socks and leaving oh, them there." Yeah, because it was it was becoming um, pollution or yeah, because yeah, people just littering. leaving socks on next to. The ocean. So the yeah. ocean comes in, Where wipes them away, died, and you just got socks. Guys, it's a movie. It's not real life. That's not his real Leave game. socks site. in your heart for Dobby. Yes. Not littered on the ground. Put put him somewhere in your house. You can make a shrine for Dobby if you want. But yeah, so uh, it said that the Yule Cat was actually owned by the trolls Gryla. Le Palu, which I may be pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. And the 13th children they had, which were known as the Yule Lads. Mm. So, Grela, which I've heard of her before, but I'm going to go into the tale of who she is and then where I heard of her. But Grela was a giantess known for her appetite of mischievous children. She would cook them in a large pot in her home in a cave with her husband, Le Palu. Uh, as mentioned above, she was the owner of the Yule Cat, and she was the mother of the 13 Yule Lads, who I will go over after this. In the origin of Grela, she was mentioned of not just being a giant, but of having no connection to Christmas, for one thing. But she was uh, known as an ugly hag with a repulsive appearance. In old poems, she was described as a parasitic beggar, walking around asking parents to give them their, her, give her their disobedient children but she would simply just be asking because she wanted food so people would chase her away by just giving her food or chasing her away so basically protect your children um the origin of the the origin poems also had a little bit of a mixed message um, not mixed messages but like mixed tales where in sometimes she lived in a cottage other times she lived in a cave so i'm guessing 
they went with the cave because for everything else I read, she lived in a cave with her husband, which there really wasn't much on him. So she was known for stealing children who misbehaved. She was also known for just stealing children. If you're not watching, I also saw a version where she kidnapped orphans. If you didn't have parents. Oh, fun. But, um, she would grab them, bring them home and cook them for her husband, who apparently was her third husband, who was lazy, and he just stayed in the cave. But in some version, he is the father of the Yule Lads. In other version, he was just her husband. So I don't know who actually fathered the Yule Lads. But, they just um, popped out of the ground one day. Grayla, <laughs> I actually heard of because... Well, I've heard of other versions of her, but the main thing that stuck in my head when I saw the name, and I was like, this sounds familiar. Why does this name sound familiar? The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Have you watched that? The new one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So remember the episode of the woman of the uh the witch who would come from the forest around Christmas time yeah. and she tried to steal the baby that Sabrina's aunt had? That is Grayla. Ah. So in that version she's clearly not an ugly hag who is a a giant. No, definitely not a giantess, but that's where the Yule lads tied in and then the stealing of children. Gotcha. But apparently she also makes an appearance in the 2022 game God of War Ragnarok. That's I was going to say, the name sounds familiar because I was just watching yeah. uh, I play. Okay. But, okay, next up, let's go over the children. This is a doozy. <laughs> Not much. I'm going to have to do a full episode on the whole family because there's there was a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I just tried to keep it brief. So the Yule lads, who were the children of Grela possibly Lapalu or her other husbands because apparently she had three husbands for someone who was an old hag in the woods. I don't know how the heck she got three husbands. Well, oh, I okay. mean, she made frequent trips into town for food. For children. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, she had 13 <laughs> prankster children who actually her children. Uh, in some tales, they were also portrayed as like old little men. And I was like, okay, whatever. That's weird. We're just going to go with that. But uh, they were known to steal and harass the public. So they would steal from people. They would harass them, cause hell. Uh, they each had a unique name, which would basically be their favorite way of tormenting people. They were said to arrive one by one on the 13 days leading to Yule. This is also where dates got confusing because that is what I kept reading is they would the 13 days leading, leading to Yule. But when I got to the chart that showed on what days they came, it led to Christmas. So I'm confused there. Hmm. But anyway, the uh, article that I was reading listed them as arriving and departing to Christmas. So it would be like one would have come. So then you have one, two, three, four, blah, blah, blah. And then one at a time they would leave. So the day after Christmas would be uh, 12, 11, 12, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 11, so you had like 10. 24 days of just guys chilling Nonsense. In yes. Not in your house. Through oh. your entire town going crazy. Oh, okay. Like they would go and torment people, not just a house. Right. And Sabrina, we saw that they basically were just like, oh, you, you log blew out. Let's go in that house. I don't know if that has anything to do with it because I didn't see anything about how they detoured them. Maybe. I just saw what they did when they came. So it was said that the Yule lads would leave gifts for children if the children left their shoe on, just a shoe, on their windowsill. So if they were good children, they got candy or something in their shoe, something good. If they were misbehaved, uh, they got a rotten potato. <laughs> I was like, okay, rotten potato. 
I don't know. Maybe that was something like to lure the the mom in, be like, "Hey, follow the nasty smell of rotten potato, and you'll find a disobedient child." Because she liked disobedient children. Maybe. But in Icelandic tradition, if the child were to leave their shoe on the windowsill, then the Yule lads would either give them candy or a rotten potato. Uh, there were a time when the Yule lads were a lot creepier, but in 1746, it was banned for parents to torment their children with monster stories of the Yule lads, leaving them basically harmless in most stories. So that's also why I want to go deeper into them one day is because I want to learn what creepierness they could have. Right, like the original um, fairy tales yeah, before like, Disney got well, a hold of them. This isn't even Disney. This is just the government basically be like, stop tormenting your no, kids. No, I know, but like the smoothing of stories. Yeah, so um, basically they were harmless if you ignore the fact that their mother and their, their cat uh, ate people. <laughs> <laughs> in modern days, uh, they're portrayed in a kind of light that kind of matches up to Santa, because good and bad, candy presents, uh, coal and rotten potatoes. The basics. Eh. Yeah. Uh, in some versions, the Yule Lads, who are said to be Grela's sons, were also known as her brothers. There were also versions where there's only nine Yule Lads instead of 13. But most times, the things that are similar in all the tales is that they, they either bring you a candy, they bring you a potato, they like to play pranks, they're known to steal food, they uh, harass people, they said to live in the mountains or the sea. So I saw one version that said sea, one version that's, most versions said mountains, though. Probably depending on where the stories were coming from. Yeah, and then there was another version that also listed two female Yule Lad pranksters, or Yule pranksters. They didn't call them Yule Lads, obviously, because they weren't lads. Lashes. Yeah, so, they didn't really specify. I didn't see much into them, but they would apparently steal melted fat by sticking it in their socks and pockets. And I was like, okay, so I don't know how much I'm going to find on them. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. But um, I'm not going to try to pronounce these names because they're all uh, Icelandic versions of the names. But the translated names, uh, the sheep coal cod who harasses sheep and was impaired by a stiff peg leg. He would arrive on December 12th and leave on December 25th. Uh, Then you have gully gawk who hides in the gullies waiting for opportunity to sneak on the crow's set cow shed, I can't read, <laughs> uh, and steal milk. He would arrive on the 13th of December and leave on the 26th. Stubby, abnormally short and steals pans to eat the crust that was left on them. 14th he would arrive and he'd leave on the 27th. Spoon liquor, he would steal and lick wooden spoons. This was extremely... uh. And it was extremely thin due to malnutrition. <laughs> uh, he would arrive on the 15th and leave on the 28th. Pot scraper, who would steal the leftovers from pots and come on the 16th and leave on the 29th. Bowl liquor. He hides under beds waiting for people to put down their asker, which is a type of bowl with a lid used instead of dishes. And he would then steal it. He would arrive on the 16th. I mean, arrive on the 17th and leave on the 30th. Door slammer likes to slam doors, especially at night to wake up people. So he he would arrive on the 18th and leave on December 31st. I'm glad they're all not cleaning dishes. (laughs) You know, they caused havoc. They didn't do good things. 
I mean, uh, you maybe. The- it depends on if you were still cooking or not. <laughs> a lot of those sound like they did dishes true. for you. True, true, true. <laughs> you had the the sky gobbler, which sky or is a type of yogurt. So he, he, I guess he stole everyone's yogurt. That's rude. He would arrive on the 19th and leave on the 1st of January. Uh, you have sausage swiper. Who would hide in the rafters and snatch sausages while they're being smoked? <laughs> he arrived on the twentieth and he left on the second. A uh, window peeper who would sneak through the windows and search for things to steal. I guess he didn't peep like a peeping tom, though. Thank but, goodness. Um, he arrived on the twenty-first and he would leave on January third. Doorway sniffer. <laughs> It says sniffer. Okay, doorway sniffer. Thought I was reading it wrong. He has an abnormally large nose and a cute sense of smell, which he was used to locate leaf bread. Don't know what leaf bread is, Hmm. but I'll find out another day, maybe. Uh, He arrived on the 22nd, and he would leave on the 4th. You have Meat Hook, who would use hooks to steal meat. He would arrive on the 23rd and leave on the 5th. And then you have the candle stealer. He would follow children in order to steal their candles, which were most made of tallow and thus edible. Tallow, I think, is a type of fat. Mm-hmm. Um, he would arrive on the 24th and leave on the 6th. So I guess good Christmas Eve, he would steal your light. <laughs> Can't go peep on Santa anymore. But that's the Yule Lads. I will probably definitely go into that family more one day to try and find out more about the history, the origins, and how they all tie to each other. Because I didn't know they all tied to each other. Yeah, that's I've heard like of them riot. in separate entities. Like, I heard a podcast on the Yule Lads, and I never m- remember them mentioning Grayla or the Yule Cat. So I thought they were just random creatures that, like, came to be. That but, makes sense. Yeah. So you can do your elves. So we have... Uh, quite a couple different variations of elves. I was initially just going to do Elf on a Shelf. Um, but then we have... Another day. Lutens, a type of hobgoblin in French folklore and fairy tales. This one specifically is the Nine Non Rouge? Or the Red Dwarf? Um, possibly inspiration for Elf on a Shelf, although I didn't find any confirmation of that. It was just a theory. Uh, They play a similar role in folklore, in the folklore of Normandy to household spirits in England, Germany, and Scandinavia. A Luton is generally translated into English as a brownie, elf, fairy, gnome, goblin, hobgoblin, imp, leprechaun pixie puck or sprite so essentially a fae of some kind yeah i started reading the list and i was like isn't that just all of them all of the fairy maybe there's different variations possibly it sometimes takes the form of a horse saddled ready to ride in this shape it is called le cheval bayard they also occasionally tangle people and horses' hair into elf locks. And I, I, I couldn't help it. I was like, I need to know what elf locks is. Um, it's basically when an elf tangles your hair while you sleep because they're dancing in and out of your hair. So as they're playing in your hair, they like knot it up into a dread of sorts. 
And I thought it was just like a cute way to describe um, your hair getting knotted in your sleep. Huh. Yeah. So, we have a French fairy tale, Le Prince Luton, written in 1697 by Marie Catherine. Something French last name, I can't say. Has a description of the air, water, and terrestrial Luton. So the belief in Lutons also spread uh, through to North America, particularly the Canadian province of Quebec, as spirits in the form of either pets or other companion am- common animals. Completely white cats are considered to be Lutons, although any animal in or near the home could be one too. So kind of like familiars. These Lutons. My first kitty cat. Yeah. Uh, my husband's cats, too. These Lutons may be good or evil, with good Lutons being attributed, being attributed powers ranging from control of the weather to shaving the beard of the master of the house before he woke on Sundays. Evil. Interesting. Yeah, they're, they reminded me a lot of, like, brownies and what I've heard of brownies. And how they're like... When I hear brownies, I think of the food or Girl Scouts. (laughs) (laughs) They're mischievous little shits, too, sometimes. (laughs) Girl Scouts or brownies? Brownies. The Girl Scouts. (laughs) But, uh... What do we got? Evil or offended Lutons. (laughs) I have a little Luton on my lap. (laughs) Evil or offended Lutons may harass the house owner with any number of minor troubles, such as blunting a scythe or filling shoes with pebbles. Salt is considered abhorrent to them, and they are thought to go out of their way to avoid crossing it when spilled on the ground. So that was Lutons, which was on our list, but I couldn't find how they specifically tie in with um, Christmas. That's you. She makes me think of that TikTok sound when she makes noises like that. <laughs> the, do, 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 do. Oh, whatever. <laughs> the thing that's been stuck in my head for a month. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hear it as much anymore. I think the trend has started to die. Thank goodness. I was so tired of that being stuck in my head every day. Also, in the Luton family, the Christmas elf. These were diminutive elves tiny elves that live with Santa Claus and the North Pole and act as his helpers. <laughs> the elves that you see every year. Yes. They're usually depicted as green or red clad with large pointy ears and wearing pointy hats. They're often making toys in Santa's workshop and take care of their reindeer. The origins of elves start with Norse mythology which refers to the Alfair, a.k.a. the Hildefolk, or the Hidden Folk. This combined with other Scandinavian and Celtic cultures and myths all come together to produce just elves. It's basically just a wide variety of all the nonsense, well, not nonsense, but wide variety of stories and traditions, and you just get elves. There's a lot of different kinds of elves, which is why I think I might just, like, pick a day in the future to be like, here's all the different kinds of elves and why are they different? Makes sense. There's also Cabaldo? Cabalds? There's also Cabalds. 
Kobolds? How do you spell it? K-O-B-O-L-D-S. Kobold. There's also kobolds in Germany and brownies in Scotland. That's like the German elf. Oh, I didn't know that they were considered elves. Most of the things I see of them, they're like animal-like creatures. And I think they're just lumping them into that circle of like... Maybe. Fae. Uh, in medieval Europe, elves were seen as demon-like and nefarious. And that's kind of where I got the um, elf on the shelf jump. Uh, oh. From what I gleaned off of the elf on the shelf Wikipedia, he it, he or she is basically a scout from the workshop that shows up after Thanksgiving and they stay until Christmas Eve. They watch over the house at night and hide during the day. They get their magic by being named and loved by the child. And they have a few rules. You're not allowed to touch the elf because if you touch the elf, they lose their magic. And then they can't report back to Santa every day. And you run the risk of getting no report for Santa and he won't know if you've been naughty or nice. So you run the risk of not getting a present from Santa. Hmm. Uh, and if I check Santa sees all, that's what I thought. We never needed elves to tell us whether or not we were good or not. The only thing that I like about the elf on the shelf thing is getting to set up and prep little like dioramas at night. That you can, I would if they're have supposed way to hide, fun with that. I say they're not doing very good hiding when the kid finds them every day. Well, and I, th- I, de- I think it depends on the parent on what they do with him. Um, but basically, it it was you can't touch him because otherwise he loses the magic that he needs mm-hmm. to report back to Santa. Re- whether or not that happens every day or just every once in a while, I'm not sure. Um, Hmm. But I did find that there is a Jewish version called Mensch on a Bench. And Mensch in Yiddish means a person of integrity or honor. Okay. Um, This was... It's a stuffed toy that looks like a rabbi or a Hasidic Jew. The Jewish father, Neil Hoffman, former Hasbro tour toy marketing executive used Kickstarter to fund the creation and he raised, I think, like $22,000 to create a Jewish elf. Alrighty. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cute. And then last but not least, we have the Tom 10. He's another one that wasn't like exactly Christmas, but because of various melding of stories and traditions uh in sweden he's just kind of partnered with christmas um he's a little gnome of sorts dedicated to a home or a farm originally a poem by victor rydberg later adapted into a story by astrid lind lindgren Overall, it's about a Tomten just checking in on the animals and comforting each one of them with a few words in his native language. Uh, There's no specific mention of Christmas in the story, but of years of storytelling and just, I guess, the sweetness and the nature of the story kind of just tied it in with 
Christmas. There may be more that maybe just wasn't as apparent. Potentially. This was also getting towards the tail end of my research, and I was just like, uh, yeah, Tom 10, Christmas, whispering to animals, cute. Cool. <laughs> but yeah, those are those are my little Christmas elf elves. Okay. They're cute. All right. Well, I know I'm going to one day do the Yule Lads again and their little family, but I know for an episode I'm actually planning to do, maybe not next week, but the week after. Between Christmas and New Year's. I'm gonna. I say this as if we do weekly. We're doing bi-weekly. Mm. So for the third episode of December. Because this is going to come out on the 1st of December. Potentially. Maybe the 2nd. Hopefully. We'll see how that ending goes. <laughs> but um, I'm going to do Krampus. Because I really wanted to look more into Krampus. I know we've all seen the movies. We've all seen him in different things. But he has a whole bunch of stuff. So. I wanted to leave off with a little sneak peek of that, and it's going to be one of the most evil creatures of the holiday season, Krampus. There are a few versions of Krampus at a first glance, but he's mainly described as an alpine folklore with a horned animoth- anthropomorphic that word <laughs> figure who scares misbehaving children. He is sometimes seen as the devil's advocate of Santa but also as a fellow traveler of Santa. So he is the one that gives the punishments for the bad children while Santa gives the gifts. In other tales, he steals children. But um, I'm going to go more into his origins, the holiday that surrounds him, and a lot of pop culture influences because he did have a big resurgence, I think, in pop culture in the past like decade. Oh, definitely. I've seen multiple movies with him in it or even just episodes that mention him and stuff like that. My favorite so is um, they have the March of the Santas. They also have mm-hmm. the Festival of Krampus. And it's a That's, bunch of I think people. Yeah, I think in Germany. Mm-hmm. They all dress up as Krampus and like go around. So I'm going to look more into him. I'm giving myself a due date. So hopefully I can get all the research done and make a nice episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll probably I hold myself uh, to that. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to get into for the for the holiday episodes. I don't know. I think next week, or not next week, but the next episode, I'm going to try and delve into some of, like, the cult customs. I know oh, a like lot of customs elements. of Christmas. Yeah, like, I know a lot of customs of Christmas came from Yule. Mm-hmm. Like, holly leaves and the tree and garland. Like, everything came from that. But there's other things around the world where, who knows? But also, there's other parts of the world that maybe Christmas wasn't their holiday, but they've grown to celebrate it right. so like in japan i know they celebrate christmas with cake and chicken huh. yeah they get cake and uh some fried chicken from kentucky fried chicken that's fun but it's i think becoming a little more popular so like places are now decorating and there's more festive like stuff they're still not really doing much i think it's more of like a a date night type thing yeah they've they've so. adopted the hallmark of the holiday yeah, so, like, I know I see it a lot in animes and manga where most of the time it, Christmas is, like, the night for couples to be like, well, we're going to go on a date tonight and get cake Aww. and chicken. I really don't know why chicken became a thing for that, but whatever. It's probably just what was open. Maybe. But, yes, there are fun things to come. We'll get the hang of this, too. One day we, we'll, we won't sound like poop. 
if we still sound like poop, I don't even know what we sound like because better she does the sound editing. I don't. I'm I'm getting my handle on Audacity. It also helps uh, when we record. Uh, we're working on it. Yeah, we'll get it. If anyone who actually does podcasts and listens to this and can give us some tips and tricks, we are on Twitter and Instagram. Oh, yeah, that would be super helpful. And even just ideas. If there's like yeah. not even necessarily holiday stories, but if there's some kind of creepy story that you don't hear that often, something that you can't or search even on Spotify. Your own personal creepy stories. We could do creepy stories. That could be like uh, a. Yeah, I don't mind creepy stories. Well, many episodes. Yeah. But yeah, no. So if people want to do that, we are on Instagram at Creepy Cuties Pod, Twitter at Creepy Cutie Pod, and we also do have an email. Do you remember the email? Creepy Cuties Pod at gmail.com. That. So if you want to send us tips, tricks, advice, constructive criticism, or even just stories that you want us to read one day, we'll find a day to read them. Or just tell us to fuck off. That's too. Thank you. You can do that too. Yeah, I mean, preferably no, but sure, <laughs> cool. Just to see if they're listening, great. see who made it to the end. I know one person that might actually email us. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our tales. We hope to have satisfied that creepy itch. Follow us on your favorite podcast app and look out for us on socials at Creepy Cuties Pod. No spaces. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just look for the voodoos. Farewell. Goodbye. <laughs>